0: Seeing Beyond Risk, a podcast series from the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. I'm Chris Fivoli, Staff Actuary, Communications and Public Affairs at the CIA. In today's episode, we'll be looking at some of the climate topics that were discussed at the CIA's Act 21 conference that took place earlier this year, and we'll be discussing how the profession can move forward in these areas. So joining me are three members of the CIA's Climate Change and Sustainability Committee, Andre Choquette, Frederick Matt, and Zahir Banji. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you, Chris. Pleasure to be here. So, Andre, maybe we'll start with you. Session 15 at the conference was looking at the regulatory perspective on climate change. Back in January, OSFI launched a consultation entitled Navigating Uncertainty in Climate Change, Promoting Preparedness and Resilience to Climate-Related Risks. And the paper they produced asked for input on how federally regulated financial institutions and pension plans can prepare for and build resilience to manage these risks. So what were some of the early findings from the responses that were received by OSFI?
1: Yeah, before I dive into the uh, early responses, I just uh, want to give some background on OSFI's mandate uh, as communicated by Neville Henderson at the, at the session. First mandate is to protect depositors and creditors and policy holders against loss they also want to allow financial institutions to compete and take reasonable risks. And taking reasonable risks means having adequate capital to cover potential worst case uh, losses. But OSFI doesn't have any ability to mandate reporting climate data under TCFD recommendations, for example. The consultation that OSFI led uh, was dividing climate risk in three categories, familiar maybe to a lot of The audience physical, so direct damages on asset portfolios or claims from extreme weather patterns, Uh, liability, potential claims against boards or trustees for mismanaging uh, climate risk, and then transition, the impact of transitioning to a net zero or low carbon economy. So 70 respondents submit input to the OSFI consultation. Key findings will be published in September, but so far the emerging themes are Respondents are very supportive of OSFI's focus on climate-related risks and our own survey at the beginning of the session, when we asked the audience, you know, if they thought the regulators should be more involved, like 80% said yes. Respondents of the uh, consultations are hungry for information to assess this and investment impact of climate change, both in terms of quantifying the impact, but also in terms of assumptions for stress testing and correlation factors. OSFI is considering international developments in terms of policy decisions. So they're not acting in a vacuum and they're very active with, uh, with overseas regulators. Respondents have a strong desire for actions, though they need clarity to address and improve measure and transparency regarding action. And then we also talked about how the implication of climate change are seen both at the individual policy level, so at the national and global level. So on the PNC side, for example, we see premiums increasing, coverage gaps are created domestically and internationally. And then as the public self-insures for climate change risks, the cost burden to society and government increases. So what regulators are are looking into also are a combination of public and private industry protection to decrease the impact and shorten the recovery period of climate change
0: events. So the CIA did respond to this consultation back in April and that response can be found on the CIA website if you'd like to read it. Can you give us some of the highlights of the CIA response on this consultation?
1: Yeah, we were very pleased with uh, you know, the OSPI consultation. We, we thought it was very comprehensive and forward-looking and it asked the right questions. And it was also very aligned with our own CIA, uh, if you remember our public statement back in 2019, time to act. So very much aligned with that. And in essence, we're saying to OSPI, we believe actually have a, a very, very important role to play. Uh, we want to be involved in discussions in modeling and scenario testing. Based on our survey we did at the session, but also uh, last year, about 30% of actuaries at the moment take climate related risks into consideration in their work. So there's definitely room for, for more. I would say the top three elements of our response dealt with first correlation of risks. So more and more data suggests that C risk from climate change, so physical risk, also have a secondary effect on morbidity and mortality. So if we're looking at waterborne illnesses or airborne, well, just last week, all the fires in, in the West Coast. So that has an impact also on, on longevity and morbidity. Transition risk is a very a big concern for the actual profession. Uh, there's possible ripple effect as certain sectors and companies are more exposed to transition risks and also as actuaries, we will have to contend with assumptions related to government policies, consumer and investors' preferences, correlation between physical and transition risks, and you know market and credit risks. So uh, there's definitely a lot of considerations to be taken into account by actuaries. But of course, we have lot, our toolbox, right? We have stress testing. And as uh, Neville from Austin said, actuaries are expected to apply uh, their best professional judgment in their work. We also have published, the CCSC has published a resource document and Excel sheet that I recommend you to look at. Uh, It was published on April 1st, 2021. And we are at the moment in our committee in talks with practice leaders, practice leads, to see how we can, uh, you know, disseminate that information and and have actuaries use that resource document to integrate climate change risk work. I'll stop at that. Lots of work ahead for actuaries, but uh, I think uh, OSFI uh, did appreciate and recognize the, the, uh, the, the partnership that can occur in the future between the, the CIA and OSFI and other regulators, of course.
0: Okay, great. And just one more thing. Back in November, the Bank of Canada and OSFI announced plans for a pilot project to use climate change scenarios to better understand the risks to the financial system related to a transition to a lower carbon economy. Can you give us a brief update on that project?
1: Yeah, so basically, that was a project involving not just Bank of Canada and OSCE, but also two banks, uh, two life insurance companies, and two PNC companies. They were basically exploring different pathways to the low carbon economy, subject to policy changes, technology, and consumer and investor preferences. So, the range of transition risks established along three transition scenarios. The first one is business as usual. So, that's basically the world following path consistent with policies in place at the end of 2019, which involves basically uh, a rise in emission and temperature. The second scenario is a smooth two degrees by 2,100 scenario. So global action towards emission reduction in a smooth uh, fashion starting now. The third scenario is again, two, two degrees Celsius by 2,100 but global action doesn't begin until 2030. So no action until 2030 and then steep transition towards lower emissions. Similar pilots are happening in British Columbia, Australia, and in France. And the purpose basically is to assess system-wide vulnerability, so financial system and the real economy, how do they react to climate change? The remainder of 2021 will basically see OSFI and Bank of Canada analyzing the impact challenges and the lesson learned from the pilot, uh, collecting information on financial institutions, existing climate related governance and risk management practices. They will issue a report before the end of the year, but no standards are expected out of this. There are international standards setters that are looking into you know, setting certain standards. But in the meantime, the CIA is expected to follow professional, if not professional standards in dealing with with climate change. More discussions will take place early 2022 on these uh, results.
0: Okay, very good. Fred, let's talk a bit about session 41. There was a presentation that introduced the concept of climate risk matrices, or CRMs. Can you briefly explain what CRMs are and what their intended use is?
2: Sure, Chris. So climate risk matrices are a framework developed by the Intact Center on Climate Adaptation at the University of Waterloo to essentially factor climate risk into financial valuation and Therefore, alleviate the dissatisfaction felt by institutional investors with regards to the reporting relative to climate risk. And these dissatisfactions are are well uh, documented. So in this regard... it's worth mentioning that CRMs are based on the recommendation from different frameworks, namely the Task Force on Climate Related Financial Disclosure or TCFD, uh, the SASB, so uh, Sustainability Accounting Standard Board, and other frameworks as well. Uh, so, concretely, climate risk matrices prioritize one or two means, and it depends on the uh, on industry sector by which extreme weather event could uh, negatively impact the operations of a company. Matrices then identify actions that an investor should expect a company to take to mitigate these climate-related risks. And in the end, it also helps quantify these different uh, items from a financial valuation standpoint, bringing some methodologies to do so.
0: So if we look beyond institutional investors, do you think that CRMs could be a valuable tool for other stakeholders as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. First one we could think of is our issuers. Uh, we just we just talked about the interactions between investors and issuers. So definitely they could be impacted or they could be users of these tools. So they will eventually, uh, I mean, issuers will eventually, uh, if not already, have to answer investors' questions, and it's going to happen more and more uh, in the future, on climate change preparedness and adaptation. So CRM could represent a valuable tool for sure, notably to prepare annual roadshows when, we, when meeting with, uh, with investors. It can also turn out to be a very good tool for board members to understand climate-related issues as they are non-technical in nature and very easy to understand. And these are features that we are often looking for when uh, presenting to board of directors. And there's a lot of documentation and literature on how board members will need to be aware of what's going on in terms of climate-related issues. So again... I think CRM could definitely help this matter. Lastly, I would talk about credit trading agencies that are definitely another good example of stakeholders that could be interested in this tool. The CRM could help assessing how issuers are prepared and or adapting to climate change, as these are considerations that are more and more included or taking into consideration in financial strength assessment made by these uh, agencies.
0: And finally, can you expand on how CRMs could be useful for actuaries specifically?
2: Sure. I, I think that usefulness of CRM for those actuaries who work in investment management, for example, is quite obvious, as we discussed just earlier. But beyond that, I think that actuaries that are working in financial risk management or more broadly actuaries who work in scenario analysis or scenario testing could certainly find CRM to be a valuable tool at some point. And I, I mean, in a foreseeable future, uh, André just talked about uh, this pilot project uh, you know, that is led by OSFI and the Bank of Canada terms of building scenarios with respect to transition to a low-carbon economy. So this is something that could be, and we hope that actuaries are going to be involved in these activities. So CRM could then be useful for those uh, that are involved in this type of uh, of work. So for those who are involved, who are interested to this tool, I strongly recommend to have a look at the report uh, called Factoring Climate Risk into Financial Valuation from the Intact Center. Climate Adaptation. The report is available on their website, and it uh, obviously introduces uh, the concept of CRM, but also provides some high-level methodologies to which I uh, referred uh, earlier. So again, I think there's plenty of uh, opportunities for actuaries in in this field, and that CRM could prove to be a, a valuable tool.
0: Okay, very good. So here, let's talk a bit about our keynote session. That was a conversation with former Bank of Canada Governor Mark Carney, and one thing we noticed was that it was a very wide-ranging discussion that covered fiscal and monetary policy, uh, financial regulation, climate change, and intergenerational equity, just to name a few. What was your impression of this session?
3: Uh, Thanks, Chris. Um, I mean, I completely agree with that observation. I mean, it certainly you know it certainly ran the gamut. And you know the thing that I found interesting is you know with all those topics is how they they really intersected with uh, with climate change. And uh, I'll give you just one example. You know when uh, when Carney was asked the question about fiscal policy, you know we know that over the last you know, little while, uh, you know government's been spending a lot of money to uh, you know to support the uh, support the economy through this kind of COVID phase, which hopefully. You know is coming to uh, coming to an end, but uh, you know, Cardi made the point that um, you know in the medium term there's going to be a significant need for investments to uh, decarbonize the economy, and that these investments are going to be very uh, capital and job heavy, and so, uh, so there's a few implications of this. Uh, you know, firstly, um, all else being equal, this is going to really put upward pressure on uh, on interest rates. Uh, which you know, as actuaries know, I, I, I is very important you know, for the sustainability of you know, insurance and pension programs that uh, you know that, that we manage. Two, I would say is that you know because these investments are going to be job heavy, you know they are going to partially address the income and wealth inequality that we are seeing in society. And particularly you know um, as a counterpoint you know relative to the, the digital revolution that, that, that we've been witnessing, and experiencing where, you know, the economic gains have been really accruing to those individuals at the, um, you know, upper end of the, uh, the socioeconomic spectrum. Uh, you know, and so this really gets at the point of intra-generational equity. Uh, you know, and then finally, you know, these investments will help ensure a livable planet for future generations. And so that, you know, th- that really sort of speaks to inter-generational equity, which of course actually are, are quite familiar you know, working with that, uh, working with that and applying that concept. And so you can see just with this one question, you know, how it touched on fiscal policy, monetary policy, values, but really sort of with climate change at the at the centre of it.
0: So a lot of the exchanges between CIA President Michel Saint-Germain and Mark Carney touched upon the role that actuaries can play in advancing sustainability issues. Uh, can you give us your perspective on Mark Carney's message to the actuarial profession?
3: Yes, of course. I mean, it was, it was interesting and, you know, to hear, you know, Carney sort of, you know, maybe a bit, you know, lightheartedly sort of make the point that, you know, actuaries, you know, have a lot of the answers, but, you know, we're, we're quite humble and, uh, you know, perhaps we need a louder voice and maybe a bit more of a connection to those, you know, senior policymakers, but, you know, in all seriousness though, um, you know, climate risks are, you know, very difficult to measure, you know, in a, in a sort of, in a very narrow sense and even, um, Carney himself sort of used the expression, you know, past is not prologue, you know, as he was describing kind of climate change, because, you know, from a physical perspective, you know, you do have these non-linearities, these tipping points. And then, of course, as sort of Andrea had mentioned earlier, you know, from the transition perspective, you know, predicting government policy. And so, you know, the reality is we, we don't have sort of that of experience, you know, on, on which to draw on in terms of setting assumptions in a you know, for, for kind of a, you know, a one or a two or a three degree world, you know. And, and so, you know, in my view, you know, the profession needs to sort of um, really emphasize kind of communicating un- uncertainty. And one of the uh, key tools to do that is uh, scenario testing, you know, using an internally consistent set of climate, financial, uh, economic variables, you know, very much along the lines of what sort of Andre described in his uh, in his response, and of course, this is really the, the centerpiece of uh, you know appropriate financial disclosure that uh, Carney has been has been a champion, of, particularly with the, the, you know the TCFD. And so, you know, as it relates to actuaries, you know, I think Carney sort of summed it up well that you know uh, actuaries have the right skill set, uh, you know, to perform this work. That we have this ability to you know imagine different futures and you know advise our stakeholders accordingly. So I thought that was a, a very good message for the uh, for the actual
0: profession. Okay, well, it sounds like we covered a lot of ground at this conference. So thanks everyone for taking part in today's episode and sharing your observations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And just a reminder that if you had registered for Act 21, you can still access recordings of all of these sessions through the vault on the Act 21 platform that should be available until August 31st we now have several dozen episodes in our podcast series so we encourage you to subscribe you can do so wherever you get your podcasts and if you like today's episode please leave us a five-star rating or a comment we would also like to hear from you so please send any suggestions for episode ideas or topics to podcasts at cia-ica.ca and as well we're always looking for content for our seeing beyond risk blog so if you have some ideas you would like to share please contact us at seeingbeyondrisk at cia-ica.ca. Until next time, I'm Chris Friboli and thank you for tuning in to Seeing Beyond Risk.